Welcome to Glass Half Full Moon, where if we didn't close in on faces for inconsequential dialogue, Full Moon features would go out of business. Friends, it's been some time since you've heard from us. You might have heard recordings of our voices, but to be fi- to be completely frank, we've been in the crypt. Sadly, due to many technical errors, but hopefully we have finally risen from the grave to bring you more terrible, terrible films from Full Moon's catalog. And of course, my cohort in these endeavors, Gabe, is here. Gabe, you had a bit of a fit before we started this recording. Are you feeling okay? Uh, it's a fucking... I got all this pasta sauce in me. <laughs> pasta? So no lot. Pasta sauce, you say? What brand is a it? A lot of ragu. <laughs> Really, and and just just so you're aware, um, I, I, I am, I might have spilled coffee inside of my computer, the other day. Really, really, I'm. <laughs> that's the thing that I, I did my best. Uh that little incident aside, tonight we are reviewing another installment in the subspecies franchise, Subspecies 3, Bloodlust. This is Subspecies 2.5. This was made piggybacked off of Subspecies 2. This was made at exactly the same time, as is often the case with low-budget horror flicks like this. More so than that, it... I am in... I entirely believe that 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 the plot of this was just act 3 of subspecies 2 stretched into a three act movie. Hmm. I mean, you wouldn't be wrong. You wouldn't be wrong in the slightest cuz uh Was this a good movie by the way? No. This movie didn't need to exist. This was not a good movie. This movie did not need to exist. Like, it doesn't help that they pad a lot of the runtime with footage of the previous film. Now, I did notice this. The, there, we have the, so we're gonna, I suppose we should jump into the credits at this stage. But the credits, we don't get the standard 230 of credits. What we get is... 2.30 of a recap of part two, and then another, what, 15, 30 seconds of credits? Minute and 45 of opening credits. They pad the runtime. The opening credits are the shortest we've seen so far, but it is definitely padded. So, I was going to say, since we are on the credits, I will tell you what I uncovered in my investigations into the actors featured in this film. Ooh, give um, me all the details. Pretty much nothing. <laughs> uh, um, uh, the guy that played Ra- Radu, he's, like, very well known for, like, Scandinavian films, it seems. Um, the girl that... The woman that played Rebecca apparently was in William Shatner the musical... That doesn't surprise me. But mainly, I wanted to talk about our our director, Ted Nicolau. Someone whom we've seen him before, but we don't really know too much about. We've never really talked about him. We've, we've covered many of his works, considering he's done some of our favorites and some of our least favorites. So, I looked into him a bit. He's definitely a worker. He's he's worked throughout the industry. Namely, I noticed that he worked on the sound team for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Which, you know, good for him. But perhaps more dangerous, I should say, is he played as... He was an actor in Roar, the most dangerous film ever made. Oh, no. Are you familiar with that film? I am. 
Uh, I am very familiar. It with is the film life. where Tippy Hedren's leg gets broken on camera by an angry elephant, and he was an actor in that. It, it at least had him listed as being on screen, which, good God, I also have a picture of him here. That oh goodness, he's. <laughs> But Ted Nicolau looks like he's an AI-generated image. He kind of does. Who does he look like he's an amalgamation of? He looks like Albert Einstein mixed with, like, the lead singer of uh, Smash Mouth. (laughs) Maybe with a little bit of Seth Green thrown in. A little bit of Steve Buscemi. Uh, Maybe a little Steve Buscemi. It's in the eyes. Those eyes. Dark, like a doll's eyes. Jeez, the devil's eyes. Anyway, getting back to this absolute train wreck. Yeah, we got Big Bad Recap. We have Rebecca getting... Immediately within the first five minutes in, Rebecca gets naked. Does this count as tits? We see side tits. No, it it just counts as cheek. Okay. We get plenty of ass. But we don't get money tits because she's she's taking off the outfit she started the film with because it's covered in blood. I guess she didn't have any underwear on beneath it. I don't blame her for for not wanting to stay in a blood-covered dress, but, like, do she gotta change, like, right out in the open, just immediately throw on some giant overcut? I'm just like... That's not going to help you here. But, uh, but a little backtrack. Or back just put, track. The, put the coat a, over top the bloody dress. A little backtracking. I kind of liked the music in the credits. Yeah. Uh, it's like see. gothic romantic. I kind of really enjoyed it. I think that's kind of one of the things I do like about the subspecies series of films and and I am on record as liking subspecies 2 it does have very good gothic atmosphere a lot of the atmosphere of these films works as a schlocky vampire movie yeah but Becky stated to her sister Michelle that she was going to wait until dark for her, and then immediately goes seeking for help. Because she does not... She doesn't take the car. But why would she do this? She does not know that Mummy came back and straight up yeeted Michelle away into the catacombs. Because Mummy's really mad. Because her boy is dead. I I have her listed as very angry. She's basically like, fuck you, bitch, you're pretty and untainted, and you made my boy stupid. So, here she does a bit of a resurrection thing on Ragu, and the, the, what he, what, forgive me if I'm incorrect, but she says that this ritual will give him an eye? I'm guessing, like, a third eye is what she means, but... But it, it do- makes no sense. Oh. It's so. Here's the thing. That's what the subtitles said while I was watching. I don't know if you watch with subtitles, but the subtitles for this are—they are so bad. It's honestly, she actually says, "Give him life," but the subtitle said, "Give him an eye." The closed captioning on this movie is horrendous. They spelled Radu with two two O's at the end. It's not good. Which it, but we do get some good blood effects. We do get some the, decent in the, in blood the effects. Resurrection scene. Um, and of course, Mummy brings back her boy because we can't have a subspecies movie without Ragu. That name still doesn't make sense. Well, I mean, we've seen the name Radu in the credits of this film, as far as like uh, some of the production staff. So it is a legitimate, uh... No, I mean the name subspecies. Oh yeah, no, it still doesn't make any sense. But 
this movie jumps around more than the Energizer Bunny. Because after we get this little bit of Mummy starting her resurrection ritual, Becky ends up making it to a small village and asking... Into a seedy bar. Asking for the phone, which is apparently powered via wind-up power. Yeah, so this whole scene made me uncomfortable because she's, like, wearing a big coat that she's clearly naked underneath. And she's got all of these foreign men staring at her. And I think it was more so knowing the production company behind this film yeah. that made me quite quite nervous moving forward. But they do just kind of start ye- the guy takes the phone and just starts yelling into it and we get a we get a close up on Rebecca's face and then we zoom out. And to... then we and then we get a jump cut to Lieutenant Marin. And they do have actual translations for the um, well, Romanian here. Yes, they do have actual subtitles for the Romanian here. Um, Lieutenant Martin is on site at Castle Vladislav's, or I guess the catacombs nearby, where he's found the corpse of Professor Popescu, having <sighs> died in the previous film trying to vanquish Ragu. Rest in peace, my friend. May... May there be waterfalls of Palinka for you in Romanian heaven. Romanian heaven? (laughs) I don't know. Wherever he chooses to go. Vampire hunter heaven. To go to a heaven based on geographically (laughs) where you died. (laughs) But no, um, we also see Mel. I fucking hate this guy. He's the guy that ran away, right? Mel is the... uh, He's the guy in the previous film who worked at the U.S. Embassy and didn't believe Rebecca when she was just like, something's going down with my sister. It's all kinds of messed up. Right. And now he's back and he's the love interest, obviously. Of course. He was the love interest before and they barely touched it. Well, Because they needed to have a love interest. Well, what they needed to do, because he ran away, right? That was the thing. He didn't believe them and because of that... I'm assuming that's why this this movie's happening. He didn't run away. He just never showed. Well, Popescu yeah. was the one who uh, went through everything with Rebecca because he believed her. No, Mel just didn't do shit. And now he's we're supposed to have him come in and be the hero. Fucking whatever. No. But Rebecca has called Mel and Marin there... In search of her sister, and they've not found anything. Although they must not have searched very hard because Rebecca goes in and hears Mummy's cackling and follows it pretty damn easily. Right. And this is the scene where... <laughs> uh, first of all, I does Ragu, is Rag, are Ragu's nails longer? I feel like they're they longer. F- they feel longer. In this one. <laughs> for some reason, Mummy is fucking holding a comically oversized kitchen knife. I'm sorry, what was what, what was happening there? I have no idea, but he's so happy to be back alive with his pretty one. And then I have to say, this movie has no pacing in terms of time because it was mid-afternoon 20 seconds ago and... Now it's just completely dark out. Oh, yeah. It's fu- There's like, what, day for night is a common thing. This is just day for whatever time they want it to be. There is, there is no acknowledgement of the passage of time. There is no acknowledgement of the level of natural light around them. It's... They... They will say, like, oh, it's, you know, dark out, blah, blah, blah. There's no reason to be concerned. It's a, But it's so clearly they are doing this, like, in the middle of the day. Where the vampires are standing outside in direct sunlight. And they're like, so, can sunlight kill us? Fucking, you're, you're, you're in sunlight right now. Jesus uh, Christ. And, of course... They all decide to get the F out of there 
and make haste back to Castle Vladislaus, or at least into the higher towers. And they just smokescreen the fuck out of there. Yeah, they're like chanting in, I don't even think that's Romanian, I think they're just making noises. And they flashbang the entire catacomb, just sending it all the way, just just sending people running out. And yet, no one believes that it's vampires. Or at the very least, that they are reason to be concerned. Yeah, it's... Uh, this is not good. It's... Yeah, it it's just clearly... Again, I, I believe that this is a... This is just the third act of... Subspecies 2 extended into a three-act movie. Yeah. They make it back to the Tower of Castle, Castle Vladislaus, and here's so Ragu again. From here, we do get Ragu, like, sneaking around and breaking into houses. No, 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 no. First, what happens is... First off, he's always making faces like he smelled something really foul. <laughs> so I will say one of my favorite parts of this film is the the face acting of the of the person playing Rat, Radu. Anders Hove. It's so good. He's always just making... And I have a theory that it's because of the vampire makeup. He felt like it was... I, he, I feel like he thought he needed to overact to get like his facial expressions through. I, I could see that. Like, if he felt the prosthetics were rather heavy, he might have felt he had to over-exaggerate to get that across. But he always ends up smelling, looking like he smelled something really nasty. It, it, it's, 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 that's the one thing I'd say. If, if, you watch, if you watch the subspecies movies, watch it if only for Ragu's facial expressions. Because they're good. And that they're terrible. And oh, and he he drops a cage on, um, on see, Michelle. On yeah. Michelle. While while he's making these faces, he puts Michelle in a cage because apparently he promised to teach her everything about being a vampire, even though Michelle never wanted to be one. Wants nothing to do with Ragu. Where did this sudden change come from? Michelle flip flops more than she flip flop flops more than a deck of cards in a casino. I, so my assumption here is that either she is trying to play along with Ragu, trying to like, you know, wait for her moment to succeed, or she's just kind of given up hope and now she's having to deal with this. But no, otherwise it is... It just does not make sense. I am glad that they've basically put Michelle back into the victim. Because, I mean, like, in Subspecies 2, we could never tell, is Michelle our hero or is she... Or is Rebecca our hero? No, we we have firm grasp on our protagonist in this, and it's Rebecca. Michelle is just a damsel in distress at this point. Right. And then this is where Regu starts going around and being a creeper. He steals a random lady, right? He lifts a woman from the streets, immediately rips off her shirt, and I hate to say I straight away noticed that one boob was bigger than the other. I didn't notice that, if I'm being honest. I wasn't paying <laughs> I too much attention to her tits. I immediately... <laughs> I immediately noticed that one boob was bigger than the other. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't paying attention to that. I was, apparently. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe because that was more entertaining than this movie. Oh, yeah, uh, so, ding, tits, okay, moving on. <laughs> um, and immediately Michelle is like, that looks yummy, can I have some? Yeah, Radu is like trying to get her to drink blood. That's the that's the thing happening here. And she does. And then they just kind of take a nap. They go into a little hole and take a nap. He 
he tucks her into bed, and by bed I mean the concrete slab in the hole where he sleeps. Although he is oddly tender with her. Like, he's obviously our villain, but with Michelle, he's actually very sweet. I think that is the implication that he does have a genuine love. I mean, obviously, he's a fucking in a twisted in a twisted way. Yeah, in a twisted vampire way. It is a genuine love for Michelle when she just absolutely despises him, and despite her outward hatred, he still does not change that demeanor towards her, like. He might talk down to her in some instances, but he's never violent with her. He never raises his voice. He's still very tender with her in his outward actions. And this is one of those things where it's like, okay, if this was a better director, if this was a better you know, script, this could be a interesting film. But we have... A, we One of the biggest things, I think, that is holding a lot of these full moon movies back is the fact that they're done in such rapid succession. You yeah. gotta get the next one out, next one out, next one out. You can't stop and work on things and improve things as much. And as a consequence, it just is not as good as it could be. Especially considering at the time of this recording, the 15th Puppet Master installment has come out. <laughs> just a few more. Just like what forty more, and then we'll we'll reach the the joke from Ro- from Robot Wars. Uh, thirty nine, thirty nine, and we'll have our uh, our joke, and that might happen by the time we hit that. So oh, also also we meet what I assume is Miss Popescue. I no, I'm pretty sure she is Professor Popescue's secretary, as Mel and Rebecca head to Popescu's office to raid it for more vampire hunting supplies. And and literally raid. Like, Mel lies to this grieving woman. He's like, oh, I'm just gonna go in the back room, pick up some things I left here. And he starts stealing Popescu's shit. Like, I fucking hate Mel. it out the window. I know he did it out of necessity, but I don't care. I fucking hate him. He's not good. Oh, and then we get one of the funniest scenes in the film to me. Which is Lieutenant Marin and like two of his other detectives show up at Cat- Castle Vladislav's, and he has a bl- he has a he has a megaphone, and he's negotiating with the vampires as though like we have the police, we have jurisdiction in this place. Please inform us on how to enter your castle so that we may move forward with our investigation. And the idea <laughs> yes. of the police like trying to genuinely, like, negotiate with vampires in accordance to the law is very funny to me. And here's the thing. Marn still doesn't believe that it's vampires. The, I, he he does not believe that it's vampires. And he's just here using a megaphone, like, how do we get inside? There is no gate. It is, it and, is a... He knows that there is a problem, but he does not believe it's vampires. No. He's just here eating a sandwich while his men dig up grave sites. I was going to say, Marin, why is he digging up? Why are they digging a hole? I don't, I don't know. He just sits down. Just, he po- he points his men to like a grave site. He's like, start digging. He sits down and starts to eat, to eat a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Fucking what? Okay. And Ma- Marin's working theory is that Michelle is stealing antiques from graves and dealing on the black market. That is his working theory. The movie needed a skeptic. I get it. But maybe not... Maybe not one who also saw a crypt explode into light and cackling. Right? And this is also where Marin states that they need written permission from the director of antiquities to get inside if there's, like, no if there's no other current way in at the time, which would take between two weeks or two months. But luckily, they still have Popescu's way in because Popescu is an urban explorer. Popescu remains the most useful character, even after death. (laughs) And so, okay, first of all, I get it. 
they need to do cop procedural things for the movie to happen. They know that there's a lady in there that is almost assuredly do at least doing illegal stuff. It seems it seems like they can bend the rules a bit. They have probable cause. Yeah. Oh, and then they venture in and they find a skeleton covered in what what I believe to be salamanders. Yeah, they looked like fire salamanders. What were they doing crawling all over bones? <laughs> I don't know, but I kind of want a little salamander terrarium with some little skulls for them to live in. That was the That'd only takeaway, which was, I want a salamander. <laughs> yes. I want a salamander. And, uh, so I, I've mentioned to you that I've started to get into VR video games. And yes. during this scene, Marin reminded me of myself in VR, where he's just kind of holding his arms out, walking with the... Uh, oh, we should say he's, that he is teamed up with the other two to go inside. And he's kind of yeah, just walking Marin, around, and he picks up a sword very awkwardly. Look, I I, I can interact with this object. <laughs> he, he pulls the sword from the skeleton covered in salamanders. And... He just it's it's very funny because Mel and Rebecca are walking through very confidently and he's just kinda awkwardly doesn't like doesn't know what to do with his arms. Yeah. But too bad they don't get very far because the rest because the pathway inside is blocked. And Mummy's doing something. She's keeping watch from the window. And Mummy's just like, Hey, your sister's a dumbass. And and then Mel crashes the car, which I don't think was in the script. Well, first off, Mummy's like, your sister's a dumbass. Michelle is like, leave her alone. I love her. And then Ragu is like, love doesn't exist. You're just hungry. Right. That's the, I'm pretty sure that's the tagline of the film. The, 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 the key line of this film is love does not exist between the living and the dead or something along those, something along those lines. That. That is the key line of the film, but the actual tagline for the movie is Love Bleeds. That's really dumb, but I like it. It's so dumb. Oh, and then, isn't that when um, they, they're they trying to run and Mel drives his car into a pole? Yeah. Which I don't think was in the script. I don't think so. <laughs> he drives it into the pole, he crashes it, and then Rebecca's like, what are you doing? <laughs> it, and they drive away and this is the scene where Regu is explaining vampire powers nuh uh nuh uh before this before this oh, oh, oh wait Marin yeah, yeah yeah Marin was uh perusing through the village in the evening after leaving the bar and we get into Mel and Rebecca in her hotel room because, of course, she doesn't want to be alone in the evening. And Mel is reading through one of Popescu's books, talking about how Vladislaus married a daughter from a family of sorcerers who previously owned the castle and then murdered half of them and drove the rest away. And then this is how it segues into a sexy moment. Okay. I hit, This is a thing that happens all the time, right? Where our two um, leads inappropriately start making love to one another. But this time there is a little wrench thrown into it. Where as she is trying to... You, you, could, you could potentially interpret this scene as Rebecca trying to get some kind of a relaxation or release after all this stuff that's happened to her. And it's it's less of a romantic, just a, a trying to, you know, get through what she's gone through. But as she starts to do it, as they start to get more intimate, you can see she's getting flashbacks of all the things that she just went through. And she pushes back, like, no, I can't. It's just, I can't. And... I also think they needed to pad the red time, considering they used more... Uh... They use more footage from the second movie. I'm trying to give this movie credit, damn you! <laughs> but no, it's not it's, allowed. It's an in, it's a, it's a 
fair kind of like, all right, you were not just going to ignore the fact that she watched a man die and, you know, her sister is a vampire and she shouldn't, she's not in a good emotional state right now. Okay, good. You get like half a point movie. You don't get a full one, but that's half a point. And then is that when we get rag, ragu like yes. dunking on a violinist for no reason? Yeah. So apparently Ragu's got very superior senses because like from a mile away he's just criticizing a violinist. The violinist from the tavern's uh, live band. He's just like, the violinist is dreadful. Again. He's a disgrace. Potentially a fun scene. Not in this movie. And just, just the fact that Ragu's got an ear for violin. That he can tell that this guy's just doing dreadfully. To when get... he's, he's actually passable. Yeah. Well, he's he's an ancient vampire. Assumedly, he he's from a time when, if you weren't that good on violin, they just cut like fucking cut your arms off, right? <laughs> or he's very critical, but he's got a taste for the finer things. Yeah, and I think that there is a point here where we could have Radu as like a genuine character, like. You can have an evil character that still has a character, right? Yep. I'm not saying that Radu is better than Strahd von Zerovich, but, you know. There's a, Strahd there, von Zerovich is a fucking simp. Uh, you, mm, <laughs> that's one thing between the two of them. <laughs> They're both simps. They they are both simps. Uh, oh, and... Uh, so, what what's the next scene? Well... In Ragu's teaching Michelle to survive, as he states, he l- has her lure the violinist away to a place where they can be alone. Ragu bites him first and then offers him to Michelle. And I guess that's the vampire equivalent of cutting your child's food into small pieces. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a mama bird, like regurgitating food. <laughs> No, she he's just he's just making the puncture marks himself even though she's got the teeth for it. Yeah, it, and it's it, it's it's just another scene. They feed from this violinist and then they abduct a woman in a car who stopped to see if Michelle was okay. Right. That right, right. And that lady shows up for no other reason than to be confused and afraid during the final act. Yeah. And, and they re- they return to Cla- Castle Vladislaus and Ragu's like, come, the sun is coming up, we need to leave. And she's just like, I want to watch the dawn. Can sunlight kill us? And he's like, yes. By the way, they're very clearly in sunlight. Well, this... They are very clearly in sunlight. It is very clearly like 1.30pm. And this is another scene of Ragu being weirdly sweet with Michelle. She's asking him questions like, what can kill us? And he's completely honest in his responses. He's honest in trying to care for her. Yeah. Claims that he'll love her for all of time and even offers his own neck to her. Right. And then Michelle responds by drinking from him and then telling Ragu that she hates him and that she'll hate him for all eternity. It does get to a very melodrama level, which I'm here for. I'm here for some, like, melodramatic vampire nonsense. This is a soap opera. Yeah. That's exactly... This is a soap opera. If this were a vampire soap opera, it would be so much better. I would love this if if this was a legitimate, like, 30-minute serialized lawn-form soap opera. Because it's got the kind of campiness and the stupid plot devices that make for a good soap opera. Yeah. 
either that or this film, if you had just added an extra 30 minutes or so to Subspecies 2, cut out a lot of the meandering parts of Subspecies 2, and told this all consistently and tightly, I would say that would that's one of the be- best B-movies ever made. Like, I think you could genuinely make something super good out of the mixture of subspecies two and three. Yeah. Oh, and is this where Bob gets introduced? Yes. Um, Rebecca and Mel have returned to class of Vladislaus in an attempt to get inside, and Mel has brought along an extra person who can help out. Marin is there just because he likes to meddle. He gets in the middle of things. I think he's just bored. So here's the thing. There is a scene before this where Mel makes a call to Bob, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't see that in the first time I watched this. I don't know how I completely missed that scene. But as they're preparing to go into that Castle Vladislaus, Mel's just like, and now Bob is here. It, it it made me lose my mind just a little bit. Oh my god! I I I was just like, okay, sure, fuck, it. what? Who? Bob, Bob is a CIA operative. It looks like because he looks like the guy who really likes playing the army in his mom's basement, who spends way too much money at the army surplus store. Well, he made his own vampire bullets. But Bob is Benjamin from Invisible. Oh, shit, you're right. Bob is Benjamin Knight. I was wondering why he looked familiar. And it's funny because a line that he delivers is so true to his character. Because he's talking to Mel about what the plan is, and he's... And Bob says, it's your show, man. I'm just doing a cameo. <laughs> that's, that's a lot better now that I know now that I know that was his actor. But we, we don't want to go past. He makes silver vampire bullets out of his silver neighbor's crucifix. Which I feel like once you melt the crucifix, it has it loses the power it otherwise would have had against a vampire. He's assuming that it's the silver, I think. But silver's for werewolves, so not for so vampires. Werewolves. Something, Bob. You're dumb, but you're but you're but you're you're dumb. I like where you're going. I like what you're trying to do. You did it wrong. But you got the right spirit. So Mel knows Bob because they're rock climbing buddies. And Bob just free climbs up the wall in order to place the security line. Rebecca looks at Mel and she's like, you're rock climbing buddies? Can you do that? And he's like, no, that's why I climb with Bob. <laughs> that's a, that is a good line. They leave Rebecca and Marin on the lawn and get inside the castle to find Mummy torturing the woman they had abducted the night before. And then Bob unceremoniously dies from a dagger to the face. Bob was simultaneously... Bob Bob deserved better. I'm going to come out and say it. Bob deserved better. Bob was this movie's Popescu. <laughs> Bob and Popescu are... should have their own spinoff. I was just thinking that. Where you got this, like, loose, hard-ass kind of, or, like, very flippant military guy, but then Popescu, the drunken, like, knowledgeable guy. The elderly, who's, like, very carefree, knows all his shit, but he's a little bit of a drunk. Yeah. I would be all over this. But, also, I... In the same vein as um, cops negotiating with vampires, the idea of a military-style assault on vampires is also very funny to me. Yeah, that too. Oh, and then they just kind of... But 
they kind of keep Mel alive for some reason. They put Mel in the cage with the woman from the night before. Ragu and Michelle return to the main chambers with Mummy, and these vampires need to learn to wipe their mouths after they finish eating. These are some these are some messy vampires. But Radu has gifted a necklace to Michelle that was apparently his mother's. Mummy's not happy about her stuff being re-gifted. And they get into a fight. And the acting while they fight is so dumb. <laughs> it's just... And he straight up rips her, her arm off. Rips her arm off, then rips her head off. He's done being a mama's boy. So he straight up rips her head off in a cloud of dust because Mummy's so old, she doesn't bleed anymore. She's just dust. Except And throws it uh, into the fire. No, ignore, ignore the fact that she bled earlier in this movie. Yeah. Oh, and the, the head talks to him. Before it gets thrown into the fire. Yeah, so it's not... He, he didn't rip her head off and then she died. She He ripped her head off and he's like, Fuck you, bitch, I'm your mom. <laughs> Funnily enough, I had a nightmare like that once. Oh, God. Well, but, I guess that's one way to sever that emotional umbilical cord. <laughs> it, it's, it's here that... Oh, right. We talk about the bloodstone. That that was a thing. Now we're now we're talking about the bloodstone again. Where I'll, I'll be honest, I completely lost track of who is on whose side at this point in the story. It's it makes no sense. Michelle is the most flip floppy person in this movie. It seems like Michelle has gone fully over to the vampire side. But then she hears Rebecca's voice on a walkie-talkie. It's like, oh, right, I have a sibling. And she's like, give me the bloodstone, Radu. And Bl- Radu's like, no, I won't give you the bloodstone. <laughs> His voice will never not be funny. <laughs> Michelle is like... Let me go talk to my sister, and then I'll do anything for you. I will be yours forever. And Michelle walks real weird as a vampire. Her hands are always, like, slightly out towards her sides. Always like they're ready to claw at something. Like, she can't just walk normal. She's always gotta, like... She walks like she's in VR. Yeah. And then she's talking to fucking Rebecca. And... They're like, oh yeah, we'll go. We'll get Mel. Get I. Oh, also, I love that Rebecca's like, or rather, Michelle's like, let me go, or like, and I'll trade you some. I'll. I will do whatever you say in exchange for Rebecca's life, but she doesn't mention Mel, and I'm very happy about that. Michelle don't give two shits about Mel. And then they, then Rebecca has the gun, the gun full of the silver bullets. No, 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 no. What happens first is Marin's off to the side. Oh, right. And he's got a sniper. He's got a sniper rifle and he's waiting to see what he can do with it. Ragu comes up behind him and Marin also dies unceremoniously. He's stabbed in the neck by Ragu and then fed on. I don't feel as bad about Marin dying. It's unceremonious. But I Marin's don't feel bad. not as good as he was in the last movie. Yeah. I just hope he enjoyed his sandwich. <laughs> but here's where Ragu comes in with Rebecca having the gun. Right. And I want to point something out here. That Bob specifically said... I have six bullets in each gun, and he gives, like, one for him, one for Rebecca, and one for Mel. Yeah. And Rebecca proceeds to shoot Radu 12 times! But here's, here's what happens before this. Rebecca holds the gun to Ragu's head, tells him to release her friends... And the face Ragu makes when this happens, <laughs> he's just like, 
Oh, well, Ooh. let me think about that. Oh, okay. He's got cool. like Jim Carrey acting. <laughs> a little bit. But this is where they're in the castle. Michelle begs Rebecca to kill her and Rebecca just gives her the gun. Michelle then threatens to kill herself with it. And then she shoots Ragu with it. Twelve with way times. More than, way more bullets than what is in the magazine. But at least now the blood nipple belongs to Michelle. That's right. That was a plot point. Remember when the movie, the first movie was all about that? All about the blood nipple. And, oh, and she shoots him 12 times. And, but he's still not dead. And they start running. Because silver has no effect on vampires. (laughs) Yeah, that should, that actually should be the reason. But no, they, they run outside the sun is clearly already up, but fucking Michelle is like, no, I'm going to burn. Ah. This is where Michelle starts having an allergic reaction to the sunlight. So they put her in a body bag. Yeah. And all this, this whole time, that random woman they picked up is still just there, like freaking out, confused, which yeah. I thought that was really funny. But Ragu follows after them, not wanting Michelle he just wants the bloodstone. Right. I'm just like, your priority switched very fast. Well, that is implying he was at all telling the truth. He could have just I been, don't know. He could have just been saying bullshit. Really, it doesn't matter. Rebecca throws the bloodstone over the castle wall. And as Radu goes to grab it, he is hit full blast by the power of the sun. And we get, in my opinion, a very good melting body. We get a really decent fire stunt as Ragu is set aflame and then topples over the wall, falls onto some branches below, impaling him. And he, and before that, he's, he's spitting up a bunch of black goo like he's a, like he's a toddler. Yeah. And that is, presumably, the end of Ragu. And they get Michelle out of there. They pick up... They They put her in the trunk. Yeah, and they also get the bloodstone, right? No, they didn't get the bloodstone. right. Because we also get a um, a bit of an ending stinger. Where the bl- red do- the stop motion blood demons return. The stop motion blood demons return. They have they are like uh, taking the bloodstone for. Some... No, they just find it. They don't take it anywhere. They just find it, and that's where our movie ends. Rag- Radu's blood, whatever is left, drips onto the ground. The blood demons form, and they find the bloodstone, and that's where our movie ends. Obviously a setup for another one, but still, it's like, how many times are they going to resurrect Radu? Um, this is... Not any more than they resurrected Jason. Eh, fair. At least Jason had style. At least Jason had the good sense to not talk. <laughs> that too. So, um, would you recommend this movie to anyone? No, but I would be all over if they did a pop, a Bob and Pope Askew spinoff with them as vampire hunters. Right. So, and this leads me into the other question we tip, we ask. I believe we've already done who would Radu fight? I think we already asked that one. So what I'm going to ask right now is, who who would you like to see the buddy cop pairing of Popescu and Bob fight from the Full Moon catalog? Um, honestly, the demonic toys. Mm, mm, that's a good one. I would love to see them go after the demonic toys. I would like to see them... Go up a go and investigate that weird fucking Bayou cult from Netherworld. 
I can see that too. That has a lot I... more of a uh, Call of Cthulhu esque investigation between the these bird two. Cult. Yeah, I find I think that would be fun. The cult of bird herpes. The cult of the Bayou birds. <laughs> but, oh gosh! Yeah, that's about it. Don't watch it unless you really particularly want to. Um, I mean, there's some good face acting. Good face there's acting. Some good face. There's very good face acting from Radu. Um, everyone else is terrible. Yeah. Just, I guess just watch it only for Radu. If you're again, if you really just want some of that vampire schlocky stuff, watch um, watch subspecies watch two one. first, and then if you still want some more. I guess you can watch Subspecies 3. I wouldn't, like... I wouldn't say you're a bad person if you did. So, anyway. Casey. Yes. What are we watching next? Something that I feel is going to be very similar to what we discussed today. Another American-Romanian production called Dark Angel The Ascent. Which, according to Wikipedia, is another romantic, supernatural, gothic horror. So I feel like this is going to be very much in the same vein as Subspecies. Right. And, however, the main character is a, quote, young demoness with a rebellious attitude. So I can only assume we're going to get more tits. That's the only real change I can expect to see from uh, from this film. We shall see, but until then, stay away from blood nipples and practice your violin. Uh, and Stay away from vi- violins and practice your blood nipple. <laughs> we hope you have a horrible evening. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.